Welcome to the Seminary Support Podcast, where you will find help to start, finish, and get the most out of your seminary experience. I'm your host, Mark McElreath. Oh, it's been too long. We've had a great Christmas and New Year's. I hope you have as well. It's good to be back with you here at the beginning of Season 2 of Seminary Support. And today as we talk about preaching Old Testament narrative. Well, I must say that it was quite an eventful Christmas for us. I'm not sure how yours went. My wife got COVID. Uh, thank the Lord, none of our children uh, got COVID. I did not get COVID. We did have a few days where we all had to stay in quarantine, just to be sure. And uh, all that went well. And uh, I've talked to many of you who are have started new seminary classes and excited about that. I was just talking to somebody today, and they're looking ahead. at. Uh, of course, they're finishing their MDiv this fall or this spring and then looking ahead toward the fall looking toward starting a doctor of ministry program so very exciting and i was excited to get back to this to uh get more content out there start season two and i hope you're thinking ahead i hope you've already started some classes and, and even thinking ahead about what you'll be taking this spring maybe even in the summer and if you are thinking about starting a program in the fall that's what this uh, student and friend was asking me you know, is it too early to think about this? I said, no, absolutely not. Get that ball rolling. Even if you start the application process, a school will still work with you once you finish your degree, get your transcripts in after May. That is no problem. In fact, I am in the middle of a module right now with uh, Luther Rice with my Doctor of Ministry. And uh, the course this week I'm in is DM 8300 Contemporary Preaching. And it's a module that's a part of the DMIN. It's one of the four modules. It's normally an on-campus module. Due to COVID, they've closed down their on-campus work. And that's being done through Zoom, which is pretty tough. If you have done a module 8.30 in the morning to 4.30 in the afternoon through the week over Zoom, it is very tough. But I've been a great class, and I wanted to draw some of the things that um, – we actually talked about today. I'm recording this on Wednesday to go up. You'll hear this on Thursday when it goes up. But I had a guest speaker in today and uh, really enjoyed some teaching on preaching Old Testament narrative. And these are not my notes. These are notes that I've taken from the class. I'll pass these along. These are from Dr. Matthew Keller. He's a preaching professor at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. And uh, he was talking about when we come to a passage, specifically Old Testament narrative, so he's talking about, you know, why why should we preach the Old Testament? Well, he started by saying, 77% of your Bible is the Old Testament. Of course, it's inspired scripture. It was the scripture of the New Testament church, so if they could <laughs> use it, we can use it. And also, sadly, much of the Old Testament is not well-worn. So as we preach the Old Testament, we are fighting biblical illiteracy. We are helping wear those ruts there, not in a bad way, but in a good way, going to a place where many people are unfamiliar with throughout the Old Testament. And he talked about, since the dominant genre of the Old Testament is narrative, uh, we need to know how to approach it. So he gave some insights. I'm passing on some of his notes and, and things that I took down that he said that I think were very helpful and things I want to apply in preaching Old Testament narrative. One point that Dr. McKellar made was dig deep into the text and avoid mere moralism. So if we're not careful, we'll just pull out timeless principles that we find in the Old Testament and then just 
impose some some structure to them or some structure to the the narrative and we just pull this moral principle out and we haven't really dug into the text to really find out what is the text saying. If we're not careful, we'll just say, well, be this or be that, and it just falls into a moralism. Another insight that he gave, a second thing, was highlight the explicit and be careful about the implicit. So be careful about going too far into the implicit, things that are not entirely made clear to us. Now, the things that are explicit, the things that are clear, well, let us jump right into them. So, for instance, if you're talking about Elijah on Mount Carmel in his battle of good versus evil and he against the prophets of Baal, be careful of saying, just imagine how Elijah felt because we actually don't know how Elijah felt. It doesn't go into great detail in the Bible about his feelings. If we're not careful, we'll almost become psychologists behind the pulpit. But... It is implied, maybe we know a little bit about how he felt, but here's the main thing. We want to highlight and stress what God highlights and stresses. Focus on the plain sense of the text and be careful we do not become psychologists behind the pulpit. We need to consider three things. This is a third insight that he gave when preaching Old Testament narrative. Consider three things, history, grammar, and context. He said when he teaches a preaching class, these are the three things. HGC, that he says you must consider with every Old Testament narrative passage. History, grammar, and context. So history, you've got to know background. You've got to know where this passage fits within the Old Testament message, the Old Testament time period. Where does it fit in the life of, in history of Israel? And then grammar. Do we find phrases that are repeated? He says you must remember that uh, names are very, very important, especially in Old Testament narrative. Places are very important in Old Testament narrative. Uh, the repetition of words in Old Testament narrative are very, very important. And then context, and this goes a little bit along with history, but context fits within the greater narrative. The Bible is a meta-narrative. The Bible is has this large arc over it. And we need to understand when we go to... 1 Samuel, or when we're in 2 Kings, or when we're in Exodus, or wherever we are, that this message, this narrative, this story, fits within a greater story. It does not stand on its own. So we need to understand history, grammar, and context. And then he gave a fourth insight. He said this, Think in terms of plot, scenes, characters, dialogue, and repetition. Plot, scenes, characters, dialogue, and repetition. Uh, for instance, when he was talking about dialogue, he said, what did the biblical author put on the lips of each character in the dialogue? Now, we understand in our own Bible study, the Bible does not give us everything that everyone said in every conversation in ancient Israel. The Bible didn't even give us everything that every important character said. But what did the Bible tell us that a character said? What did the Bible tell us that this prophet said or this king said? So look at dialogue. There's a reason the Lord chose to put those words from that person's lips in the Scripture. And then look, for instance, at repetition. This reminded me of a passage I preached on a number of years ago from the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 22, where it's talking about Abraham taking Isaac up to the mount to be sacrificed. And Abraham says three times in this passage, in Genesis 22, he says in verse 1, Here I am. He says in verse 7, Here am I. 
And in verse 11, here am I. And if you read the story, this narrative, it's a story unfolding, you find it's at three specific, what I would call turning point times in the passage. And it's important we find this this phrase repeated because I'm sure this is not everything Abraham said between he and Isaac or he and the Lord. But these phrases are specifically chosen, so this is part of that dialogue part, but also part of that repetition part, and it helps us to frame the narrative as we speak about it and as we talk about it. So consider those things. Also, he gives another insight. He says, develop structure that reflects the text. So develop structure that reflects the text. Uh, One phrase he said, he says, carve as close to the text as you possibly can. So the, the structure of the text should force us into a certain structure in our own message, in our own sermon. Okay, we're not imposing a structure on the text. We take a structure from the text, and we impose that upon our own message. And he gave a great way to walk through this. I think it was very helpful, and maybe a way I hadn't really thought about preaching narrative myself. He said, first begin with or, or really you're, you're running through an inductive development. Now, there's a difference between inductive and deductive. Narrative, he says, should be preached inductively. He said, you need to note, a story moves forward in a linear way, and it builds to a climax and a resolution. So we're not telling people the main idea at the beginning because a story doesn't say its main idea at the beginning. A story is building. A story is working towards something. Uh, a statement he made was the homiletical bomb should detonate at the end. It shouldn't shouldn't detonate at the beginning. So we're working our way through this. He says, begin with a contemporary introduction. So help the hearer tie into the text with maybe some recent story or current event or something that's going to help them connect with why you're telling the story. And then he makes this point, this inductive development, you're going to tell the story with a specific structure following its specific scene or movements. So you're going to tell the story, and you're going to deliver the story without application and without much, if any, illustration as you tell the story. Now, this was just so helpful to me. I really grasped onto this because I don't know that I had, maybe I have, and I just had forgotten it, but I don't remember being specifically taught this. So, retell the story through its scenes or its movements. For instance, he gave the example of the Joseph narratives of Genesis chapter 37 to 50. So, if you're going to go through Joseph is favored of his father and he receives a code and his brothers don't like him because he's favored and he's having these dreams and he's thrown into a pit and he's sold into slavery. And however far you go through the story, tell the story. And you don't have to illustrate it because the story is illustrating itself. So limit the illustration, because the story is its own illustration. Limit the application. All right. So we have begun with a contemporary introduction. We've told the story by its specific structure, through its scenes, through its movements. Now, the placement of the delivery of the main idea, or the thesis, is going to come at the end. So we've already told the story. Now we're going to... What he said, end load the application. We're not front loading the application. Uh, many times we will front load or even mid load the application. And and we do this, he makes the point, if we're preaching an epistle in the New Testament, then we can do that. 
We can make application through the message. We may have specific points that we hit in the message, and we give the application there. We're not doing that in Old Testament narrative. We have end-loaded the application. We come to the end of the story. Now we've built through the climax, brought it to a resolution. Now we make the application, and also we're connecting it to Christ. We must connect to Christ, but we've got to be careful we don't rush through the story too much just to get to the application of Christ. Um, in fact, a question came up. One of the students asked, what does this look like on a timeline? Let's just say you have a 30-minute message. What does this look like? He said, that's a great question. He said, probably if you're preaching a 30-minute message, you're going to have a three- to four-minute introduction. You're then probably preaching the story, walking through the story, maybe 18 minutes. So if you give a four-minute introduction, 18 minutes on the story, telling the story, that's 22 minutes in. Now, you're probably going to spend about eight minutes on giving that main idea and making that application. So you're end-loading that application. Now, I brought up a question. I said, do you find it's very easy to lose the hearer because you're just telling this story and they're not making any connection with it. He said, oh, absolutely. A bad storyteller will lose their hearers. He said, so you've got to work on your storytelling. You've got to help bring this story to life. Help them see what is going on. And if you've done well telling the story, they are ready to make the connection with Christ. They're ready to receive the application. Uh, and then at the end, you're bringing it to conclusion, you're summarizing, and you're challenging with that application at the end. So I thought these were some some great things, especially the end loading the application really perked my ears up. I thought it was very good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this structure. Uh, the next time I preach an Old Testament narrative, I'm excited to try that. And uh, keep listening in. I'm sure I'll have lots more to tell you about this module. I'm also taking an online class this semester. I'd love to hear from you to see what classes you're taking this semester, how that's going, how your break went. Stay at it. Don't let up. Uh, continue. If you can just take one course, then take one course. And I know the Lord will bless that. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to do us all well to stay in the saddle, to keep up with it, um, what the Lord has for us. Thank you for joining me today. If you haven't already, please subscribe so you get notified every time a new set episode is launched. Take a moment to leave a review for us. Seminary support can be found in every major podcast player and platform. Please share today's episode with someone you think would find it helpful. And please send me your episode ideas or your feedback to theseminarypodcast at gmail.com. Now, I have been on Twitter and putting information up on Twitter. I'm moving to MeWe. That's M-E-W-E. And you can find the, the uh, podcast content going up at Mark and Katie McElreath. And that's on MeWe. I'm coming down off of Twitter. So I hope you can find it there. You can also find the podcast at www.seminarysupport.com. I'm your host, Mark McElreath, and remember, nothing will ever take the place of learning from the Lord Jesus Christ. He calls out, learn of me, and there's an open invitation to that classroom for all of us.